This is Roy Hales with Cortez Currents, which you can also access at cortezcurrents.ca. There have been numerous reports of Pacific white sided dolphins in our vicinity this last year. The most recent comes from Powell River, where ponds of around 200 dolphins were spotted from the shore on December 17th and again on December 28th. One of the reports from Campbell River mentioned more than 100 passing through the strait that separates it from Quadra Island. On their website, Wild Waterways Adventures describes this species in its list of wildlife that fill the Discovery Islands. According to the Times colonist, quote, After a hundred years of absence, large numbers of Pacific white-sided dolphins are back in the northern part of British Columbia's Salish Sea, unquote. Cortez Currents asked independent biologist Alexandra Morton if she's heard reports of them from Campbell River, Cortez, or any of the other Discovery Islands. Absolutely. There's whale-watching vessels down there. I also have friends that live down there. I've also seen them there myself. They have definitely been moving throughout the coast. There's a move to start harvesting them again and try to reduce their populations to protect wild fish. I don't see the wisdom in that. There's many reasons to harvest things, but we know from so many examples that when you kill the predators, you actually weaken the prey. Predators are so important. They remove the sick, they cleanse the population of pathogens that could reach damaging proportions. They are part of the ecosystem. And I think we need to tread very, very carefully about removing predators. Morton has a long association with Pacific white-sided dolphins. When I first moved to the Broughton Archipelago in 1984, nobody had seen Pacific white-sided dolphins in that area. The old-timers weren't aware of this species. I went to the Broughton Archipelago to study orca, and to do that I had an underwater microphone piped into first my boat and then the house 24 hours a day. On Christmas Eve in that year, I picked up their vocalizations on our hydrophone. I didn't know what they were. And so went out on Christmas day. I don't think my little boy was particularly thrilled, but anyway, I needed to see what species this was. I found seven Pacific white-sided dolphins. In my arrogance, having just arrived in the area as a scientist, I assumed they were lost because Pacific white-sided dolphins are generally considered an open ocean species where they're seen in groups of hundreds or even thousands. Over the next 10 years, I either saw them or heard them or got a report from people about them being there a couple of times every winter. It was only during the winter months. In 1994, the number of days that I detected dolphins on the hydrophone or saw them or got a report from a neighbor reached almost 20% of the year. And the number of dolphins escalated from that little group of seven to over 500, even a thousand on some days. Some days they were just everywhere. If you scan your eyes and you're like, okay, that's 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. Oh, that's a hundred. And then you scan the whole, how many groups that size approximately, it was up to a thousand. What was interesting is they spiked in the winter Summer sightings happened, but they were very rare, and it was very small groups of young dolphins. And then over the winter, October through March, the big groups came in. My colleagues to the north off Haida Gwaii were seeing small juveniles, babies. I never saw them. 
the dolphins initially were afraid of all the orca that they encountered. But one day, a group of offshore orca came into the Echo Bay area, into the Broughton, and the dolphins just cozied right up to them. They started porpoising right along the side of the whales. And I thought, okay, you guys know each other. Gradually over the years, the dolphins figured out there were some orca, the talkative ones, the residents, they were fine. And the dolphins actually became incredibly harassive of these whales. They buzz around their faces like flies. They're just rude. And, but the transients, or what we call now the bigs orca, uh, the dolphins learned to be afraid of them. So if you encountered a silent orca, the best strategy was to run fast in whatever direction. It was quite interesting to see them have a lack of direction and kind of bounce off the walls and in some cases just jump right onto the beach and die just to get away from these transients. That provided me with stomach samples where I was able to deduce what these dolphins were eating. It was a fascinating period of time to watch these animals enter the Broughton Archipelago and learn how to navigate it. At times, colonist talks about them being introduced to the northern Salish Sea. How long have they been coming in here? What do we know about their history here? Yes, I was very curious. Are these animals being pushed out of some area and that's why they're coming into the Broughton? Or are they being attracted by something that I don't know is going on? It's hard to know what fish populations are around if they're not the target of a commercial fishery. But what I did know is that their bones, dolphin bones, were throughout the midden at Echo Bay. The school in Echo Bay was located right on a midden, and the children played on the beach all the time. And I saw quite a few ear bones, teeth, and vertebrae that looked like they were from the dolphins. So I began to investigate the scientific literature on what has been found in the middens for food items for First Nations before we came, over the thousands of years before I came. One of the papers said that a large portion of the marine mammal diet of some of the Broughton nations was harbor porpoise. This paper was published in 1988 by a man named Mitchell, and he reported that up to 24% of mammal remains at some First Nation middens in the Broughton were harbor porpoises. But I wondered, was it really harbor porpoise? So I bundled up some of the items that I found in the midden in Echo Bay, and I sent it to the Royal Museum in Victoria to a woman named Becky Widgen, who was doing the analysis for Mitchell. She said, oh, these are Pacific white-sided dolphins. And furthermore, she said, as soon as I began to hear reports from you and others that these dolphins were coming in, I went back and looked at the items that she had previously, and she said that quite a few of them were in fact dolphins. They have different shaped teeth, and there's small physiological differences in their bones, ear bones. So that meant that the dolphins were returning, not invading. What was interesting is that the older people in my community, so the hand loggers and fishermen that were in their 80s when I arrived, had never seen Pacific white-sided dolphins before. I don't 100% trust observations from people who aren't really paying attention to the dolphins or to marine mammals. 
but I did in this case for the simple reason that these dolphins liked to bow ride and people were getting wet just trying to get their mail to the post office from their float houses. If you were in a small open skiff and you had a dog in your boat, well, you got extra attention because the dolphins are curious about the dog. In many cases, seem to deliberately splash people. So when they said they had never seen this before, I had to believe that was absolutely true. Whereas harbor porpoise are hard to see and they don't bow ride. And so that'd be a less accurate history of sighting. But for the dolphins, I believed it. I began to look into Pacific white-sided dolphin movements along the entire northeastern Pacific. There was this remarkable paper published on the appearance of fish in Monterey Bay in California. And they've had cetaceans bump up and down that coast. Pilot whales will displace, reso dolphins will displace Pacific white, and this thing moves up and down the coast. What they did was a core sample in the seafloor of Monterey Bay, and they found that large schools of small schooling fish, different species, were pulsing in and out of that area on approximately 30 to 40 year cycles. And their core samples were striped with the presence of these small oily schooling fish, which attracted dolphins. At the same time, I was going up to whenever the dolphins had fish crowded at the surface and get a sample and see what they were eating. One of the things they were eating in the beginning were capelin. I sent samples down to the Pacific Biological Station because they were not known to be in the Broughton or in this area of the BC coast. Dr. Doug Hay, ID'd them. Yes, they were capelin. Then he said an interesting thing. Capelin are moving south on both the Pacific and the Atlantic. He had gotten reports of capelin further south from the Arctic in both oceans. Shortly after that, we had this huge influx of pilchard. Nobody knew what they were except the older fishermen are like, oh my God, those are pilchard. We have not seen those for 40 years. There were huge schools of them and the dolphin were chasing them around. So over the 90s and into the early 2000s, the dolphins only came in the winter, but then they began to come year round. While I'm not as focused on it, I do talk to other researchers. What happened has peaked and is declining. Now there's fewer dolphins coming in even though they're still very obvious because they're such a charismatic species. Large groups of them have now been seen down in the Salish Sea, whereas the Broughton is just a little bit north of there. They are periodic residents to this coast. They did comprise an important part of First Nation diet. What was so interesting is when I was trying to figure out what they were eating, I noticed that their echolocation would start as soon as the sun went down the steady buzzing and clicking of as soon as the sun came up echolocation would die off and now they were into their vocalizations and they were just goofing around it was really impossible to figure out what dolphins were doing because there really didn't seem to be any point to it as opposed to orca which are very methodical you can see what they're doing at one point in echo bay we had open ocean draggers that were fishing right in the archipelago, which had never happened before. I noticed that they were anchoring during the day and then they would start fishing at night. It's like, ah, they're fishing at the same time as the dolphins. So I went to them and said, why do you anchor during the day and fish only at night? 
they said the pollock were too deep for their nets during the day, but at night they came up shallower and they were catching huge amounts of pollock. I had no idea we had pollock in the Broughton Archipelago because they never came to the surface. One dolphin, a large female being chased by the killer whales, tragically jumped out of the water into a pool on the beach, couldn't get out of it and died. I took her whole stomach and it was just chock-a-block full of very large pollock ear bones. Pollock are a fish predator, which may very well eat juvenile salmon or small herring or many other things. So now you have a predator eating a predator on salmon, keeping them in check, perhaps. These are the kinds of balances that we don't know about when we just blunder in and say, okay, oh, we don't like the look of that. We have to be very careful with these balances. And I'm not sure where this push is coming to do a cull on them or to harvest them, but we've thrown the system out of whack so significantly. I think our best bet is to allow it to rebalance itself. Did you have anything you wanted to add? I began a study photo identifying the dolphins, just like we do with orca, to try to tell them apart. I was able to identify hundreds of them. And then when I got too distracted with the salmon farming fight, another researcher took over the work. We're learning about their families and their long-term relationships with each other. Some of them have cultures. And I think it's very important for our own survival at this point to begin to respond to the world around us as if they were our neighbors. This extends to salmon as well because of this remarkable science that now exists where we can read their immune systems. They can talk to us and they can tell us how they're doing, whether they're doing great or suffering from a virus or a parasite or high water temperature. I think the survival of our species and our children and grandchildren really depends on establishing this relationship of reestablishing this relationship of respect. When we see something and we just want to kill it because we think it's in the way, I think we need to reconsider that and try to fully understand as much as we can the balance that we live inside of. So if these dolphins are here, what are they doing? What is their role? How are they affecting this ecosystem? These are the important questions going forward that I think people need to focus on. You've been listening to an interview with Alexandra Morton about the Pacific white-sided dolphins that are now among us. This is Roy Hales with Cortez Currents. Goodbye.